What? A second series? Who ordered that? Well, you can be sure to expect more of the same. Coarse language, dubious mathematics, and borderline inappropriate humour. Mathsat is back, and this time it's personal. That doesn't even make sense. Welcome to Maths at Christmas, where, simply put, we are two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree trying to critique the holidays from a mathematical point of view. I am your co-host, Thomas Woolley, and joining me now and forevermore is the elfish Ben Parker and the red-nosed Liz. How are you guys? Very well. <laughs> do you know, Thomas, I actually do have quite a red nose today. I'm, I'm quite sensitive about it. I wish he hadn't raised it. Have you, <laughs> have you been on the eggnog already? Because it's already I, Christmas here. Oh my God, I love eggnog. Do you know what? I'm super sad. Um, wait, 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 what, what is eggnog? Oh, Dad okay. never found out. It's, no, <laughs> I, I made like, it. I made it last year. It's a cocktail and you... Um, you make it with like so you you get an egg and you separate it into yolk and white. So so there is egg in eggnog. Then. Yeah it, yeah it's yeah, not... and it's raw. Um, I think this sounds bad and on then so you, many levels. You mix the yolk with like cream and sugar and make something quite custardy, and then you whisk up the white and then you chuck a load of like rum in it, brandy, something, anything um, you like. Sort of it's Christmas. Um, all of it, all of the, all, all, of the of booze. All, all the booze. Also, essentially, <laughs> you're just drinking booze and eating raw egg. Um, basically, you're drinking booze and eating custard, which is amazing. Um, Actually, drinking custard sounds great. Anyway, go on. Anyway, 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 anyway. As we say, this is the Christmas episode, yes. and as we have been, we are never alone at Maths at the moment. And so joining us this Christmas, this festive period, is our good friend, William Taylor. Hello, William. Round Hello, applause. William. Hello. Thank you for letting me join you for some Maths at Christmas. Well, no, thank you for That's joining okay. us. We couldn't possibly have let you be on your own at Christmas. Well, exactly. It is, yeah. it is Christmas Day today, and the four of us... The four of us are all sitting by a roaring fire, roasting chestnuts. Ignoring the rest of the family. We've just had our turkey. My nuts are roasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've given the turkey a good stuffing. And um, we're now just sitting back, drinking oh, custard. Oh, here comes Santa. <laughs> bells. I didn't ring me bells, sorry. I didn't know, I didn't, didn't prepare properly. So, I, was I think food. we should let listeners into the secret. It's bloody November, it's cold outside. <laughs> and I'm feeling about as festive as a biscuit on a boat. Um, <laughs> Okay. It's so hard. I mean, like, how does the Queen do it? Like, Your Majesty, would you prepare a message for your subject? Fuck off, it's November. <laughs> you know, what does she do? Hold on, hold on. Um, wait, wait. Are you saying that the Queen doesn't do that live? Of course she doesn't. I am it's, so disappointed. That's, that's, that's almost treasonable, I think, saying such a thing. Yeah. Please. This year is the first year ever that I'm going to be away from my family for Christmas. Hooray! Um, because Ooh, I have to... 
Well, I've got to go to Mr. Lizard's family. Oh. We're married now, and so you've got to do that, apparently. Um, I mean, I, sh- I should say, actually, it will be absolutely lovely to, to be with them. They're very nice, and I'm looking forward to it. But it does occur to me that maybe I should record Liz's Christmas message for my family. <laughs> and um, and they, can, they can play it straight up. Okay, Liz, Queen. Liz, Liz, go on, go on. Have a, have a few, have a, have a 30 oh seconds my where God. you I mean, this is very, speak to the nation. Very good. Um, happy Christmas, nation. Yeah, I. I, don't know, I, th- I think you've got to go with more, more neutral. Happy holidays now. Oh no, happy. Well, mm, yeah, okay. I know. I understand that. Happy, a happy festive period to oh, everybody. Dear. <laughs> dear. I I don't I don't think I can do this with Ben, touching in the back. Groaning. Ah, oh, dear. I tell you what, I'll record it on the day and I'll send it. I'll send it to you all, and then we can put it on next year's podcast. We'll yes. save it for a year. William, what about you? What's happening for your Christmas this year? I'm going to Wales, of course. Annual oh, pilgrimage. I'm going to Wales. Where, where in Wales? Uh, West Wales, St David's. Yes, St David's. So I'm Mrs. so sorry to hear that. <laughs> have you been? <laughs> so what's it like to have for Christmas without electricity? <laughs> For our listeners listening in Wales, I'm only joking, but as they don't have electricity... They won't be listening anyway, will they? Definitely not in St David's. It takes longer for the sort of data to reach West Wales, I think. Thomas, are you spending yours in Wales? Yes, yes, we... But, so, um, as I've mentioned previously, Lorraine is heavily, heavily, heavily pregnant. Our baby is... Imaginary! ...weak overdue. Oh, sorry. A baby is imaginary. And a baby is a week overdue. And so uh, we'll be spending our Christmas with a baby and with Lorraine's family. So she wanted, even though I said, we'll have a baby, why don't we have the Christmas here and let your family come to us? She wants this to be her final Christmas travelling around. So we're going to her family's again in St. David's. I mean, this, this is how I know William. William and uh, Lorraine uh, were at the same school. Um, everyone's in the same school. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The same school? Yeah. They have schools in Wales. Well, they're little huts. I mean, let's, let's not be around the bush. They're little huts. Um, I think I might hang up on this conversation. So, but yeah, so we're spending it in St. David's as well. Well, all three of us are going to be in Wales for Christmas. We can all meet up. So so to all our Welsh listeners, Nadolegwawen. Oh, very good. Die out. <laughs> So we should, I mean, we should tell the listeners as well that we record at least not only on Black Friday, the least festive shopping day of the year. It's also Thomas's wedding anniversary. (laughs) Oh my God, I didn't know that. And it's a Friday Friday evening and it's your wedding anniversary. And he's talking to us. But I have a heavily pregnant imaginary wife who doesn't want to move. So, and we're talking about Christmas with a heavily pregnant woman. (laughs) (laughs) A heavily pregnant imaginary woman, fictitious woman, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Thomas, it's Christmas! It must be the Christmas. You're a brave man. I'll tell you what, if anything anything happens, we're going on with the podcast. We're leaving you behind, Tom. Hey, that's fine, that's fine. One of you can edit it, that's great. Yeah. So, why is is William here? William, would you like to give us 30 seconds of why we think you are a good person to talk to about Christmas? I'm I'm not 100% sure, but I believe, possibly, (laughs) you're trying to shoehorn an astronomer into your Christmas, which is a good thing to do for anything, really. You always need an astronomer. I mean, let's Um, face it, Patrick Moore was the spirit of Christmas. Exactly, yeah. And since he's gone, (laughs) I'm going to try and... <laughs> Reincarnate him. Oh, um, well, have you ever tried the monocle look, William? I think you could pull it off. No, but yeah, I, 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 I am. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Um, but yeah, so I, <laughs> I'm 
I'm, I'm an astronomer, which I think you said something about talking about stars and Christmas babies and stuff like that, which is very appropriate for, for you right now with a <laughs> heavy, heavy pregnant babies, fictitious yes. wife next door. Um, exactly, exactly. So fictitious babies at Christmas. No, no. Stop blaspheming everyone, it's Christmas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Black Friday, we can blaspheme all we like. Um, so yes, William, we, 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 we have you on today because we want to talk about the idea of tracking Santa, which has been happening uh, for the last few years with NORAD. Um, and you actually work on satellites, don't you? It's a bit cold, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Take a coat. He does all the maintenance. It's fine, yeah. Um, well, very loosely, yeah. I mean, I, I so I work uh, on instrumentation for astronomy. I say I'm an astronomer by training, but I work with engineers who are actually building stuff. They don't like, you know, they don't let me touch anything, which is generally a good idea. Um, and... <laughs> And that involves uh, some things which are going towards space. Um, generally, generally, probably looking out into space rather than looking down at the ground. Um, although ultimately, the technology is pretty similar, really. Oh, of course, yes. Um, you also do. We work on a lot of the telescopes, don't you? Yes, yes. I'm more work so on ground-based telescopes, but that's harder to track Santa with. To be honest, what's, what's the coolest thing that a telescope has seen in like out of space? Um, I don't know where to begin on that. Um, I mean, I, I'm quite nerdy, so so I would probably get quite excited about some of the... I the... mean, dude, dude, you're on a maths podcast. You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> you nerd out. You nerd out. You're, you're talking to people who are listening to a maths podcast at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I would go... I still think the best thing is probably like the Hubble Deep Field stuff. It's an image which appears on, you know, bags and T-shirts and so on and so forth, um, where you have just loads of galaxies. So that kind of you know, hold a grain of sand at arm's length thing and and oh, there's thousands right, yeah, of galaxies yeah, yeah. but basically just took hubble and they just said right we're just gonna stare at a patch of sky for days and see what we get and they got galaxies which which is kind of fundamentally very reassuring um <laughs> yeah was... didn't hubble have to be sort of rebooted recently <laughs> yeah they so turned it on hubble and off again <laughs> is that actually what they did <laughs> no, no way. Yeah. Um, why did they why did they do that well uh, one of the one of the gyros had died so it's got i think it's got i think original well after the last service mission, it had six gyros, of which only three were being used, um, and the three other three are backups. And one of the gyros had failed, so they went, then switched to a backup, um, which didn't immediately work. And so they went, "Oh my god, um, what's happened?" Um, and after a lot of prevaricating, um, there was a there was a wonderfully worded press release which was put out to say that it was working again. <laughs> and basically, reading through the lines, it was, "We turned it on and off again." And, it, we, and it, we did the only thing we could do: press the big red button, and hey, um, it's back on. So. Um, yeah, no, it's working, working fine again. Was it because it got used in the John Lewis Christmas advert? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'd blame John Lewis. I think that's true. <laughs> Don't blaspheme at Christmas. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. So, so, what kind of telescopes do you, do you work on? So, these? think of contact with um, Jodie Foster. Yep. Yes. Are we? Are we? Are we on yep. a similar wavelength? Um, I and, watched and, it. Oh, it's very good. That's that's practically blaspheming in itself. <laughs> Hold on, um, right, so next next season or next series, we'll ask you back and we'll all watch Contact. Yes. Okay. Carry on. Anyway, basically, lots of lots of radio dishes in, in they're in America in a big row, and the, and you can combine the beam and you do stuff. Um, optical telescopes, you can't do that because we can't combine the beams so easily, sadly. Um, but basically, okay. I mean, oh. ultimately, they're all big buckets and they collect photons of light from distant things. I mean, how, we have a... how 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 do you how do you see stuff with radio waves? I still don't understand because um, I, I don't do radio waves. <laughs> And I'm That's magnificent. We just had someone come on our podcast and just say they don't know how they do their job. Well, I don't do radio astronomy. It's completely, it's a, I, I genuinely the, the whole idea of being able to 
some radio telescopes now they basically look like some of them the um, low frequency radio stuff they look like coat hangers um, and they put them in fields and effectively what? they see the entire sky and after after you've gathered data from the entire sky you can retrospectively look at this data and you can decide which way you want to point on the sky i mean that that frankly sounds like magic to me um, that, that is yeah. very very cool i, I so think what, there might what? be some level at which you get to when they take you into a dark room and they sit you down and they say right actually radio astronomy is it's, it's all made no it's all made up this, <laughs> this, don't this is me. magic this yeah, is actually, just magic. magic's real yeah here's, here's your ticket to hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> telescopes have very silly names yes they do. Um, Could you take us through a few of the sillier ones? The the the, <laughs> the, the, the VLA, very large array. There's a VLT, which is the very large telescope. Very large telescope. Um, yeah. There's the ELT, which is currently being built. Um, and that's I think extremely large. That's extremely yes! large. Wow. Um, and I think my personal favourite, which was which was appropriately enough, was cancelled. Was the Owl, which was the overwhelmingly large. Um, oh, no! <laughs> that, that, that's funny because that's actually what. Ben's nick Ben's mum's nickname used to be. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, hold on, hold on. You know, like when they give out those um, uh, competitions to the public to name things, and they always get you know telescope emote telescope emote yeah. telescope face. Why has no one ever tried that? I mean, I do love the overwhelmingly large. That, that's a. I mean, is it to try and uh, show off to aliens? It's like, look at our very large telescope. Oh my god, are they just these massive phallic symbols? It's like, <laughs> look, we've got this huge, long thing. We are and, man. And, and ours, is, ours is bigger than yours. Yeah. They're not yeah. really that phallic, though. They're no. dishes, so... Oh, really? Oh! Yeah, so no, we... I, what's the what's the phallic what's the word that's equivalent to phallic for lady parts? Uh, vulvic? No, no, that's a type of mineral water, isn't it? So. <laughs> you could, yeah. um, so yes, so so yes. Why has no one ever asked the public what they wanted to name these telescopes? Because you get boat you put boat face as a as a, a name. So <laughs> definitely. And does. that's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful <laughs> name. One of my favourites that I heard was a gritting lorry in Yorkshire. Which had which someone put forward as the name, which is I think is someone deserves a Nobel Prize just for this alone. The itsy bitsy, no, the itsy gritsy, teeny weeny yellow anti slip machinery. <laughs> you win, whoever whoever wrote that, you win. Yeah. It's Yonic. Yonic, Yonic, of course it is the Yoni. Very good, Yonic. Oh. So yes, the dishes. Well, are dishes even that Yonic? Well, maybe not. So what about the uh, so so like, like what are the what are the challenges of getting a telescope into space? Because it seems like you know okay, getting something to space is hard, but just sort of you know point and click, you know. What's the, <laughs> what, why, why is it? Why, why you know you're just you're just putting a big camera in in, in space? Why, why is it difficult? Um, well, often one of the things we're trying to do is, is to look at wavelengths you can't see from the ground. Um, so yeah. now now particularly, so to justify. Um, putting something in space you need to show that you can only do it in space but, but you know very loosely makes sense um, makes sense yeah and so you might want to look at like, in, in a longer wavelength infrared radiation which doesn't reach the ground um, and if you want to do that then you need to cool down your telescope because it needs to work quite in, in cold it needs to be cold otherwise it's warmer than the thing it's looking at and then it doesn't see it because it's kind of the radio it's swamped by it, it's itself detecting its own heat yeah. essentially yeah. Um, so that's kind of a problem 
I said, could, could you put one in the Arctic? So, well, the yeah, Antarctic. That, actually, Antarctic's an awesome place for astronomy. It'd be really, really good because because the temp, the grounds, really, uh, the atmosphere is really stable. Um, so, the, one of the biggest problems we've observed from the ground is that the atmosphere is like like a radiator, and it's blur, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's blurring everything. Um, and so, if you if you can stick something in the Antarctic, because you get the, a sort of stable layers of uh, you know get cold ground, and you don't get lots of sort of uh, convection from the ground. Sure, um, sure. You get brilliantly <clears throat> crisp images, but equally there's problems in building telescopes in the Antarctic. I think because it's a bit chilly, apparently. But they do lots of research up there. Lots of research. Surely they could just stick a telescope. The, the Chinese are starting to do it. They're starting to build a few. Uh, I think they've got a two-meter telescope, nice. which is you know pretty, pretty, pretty sizable beast. Um, but I mean, yeah. okay. So I'm playing devil's advocate here because you know people say <laughs> this to me a lot. But you know, what's the point? Like, why, why do we? You know, we we've seen a lot of stars, all very pretty. Like, have we seen them all by now? What, what are we looking for? I suppose, I don't know which route to go down, because I, I might go down the popular route, which is we're looking for another Earth, um, which I, I wow. kind of want to shoot myself for saying um, a little bit, because that's the kind of answer we use when we're trying to justify why we want to build telescopes to politicians. Okay, so that, that's to get the money from people. What are, we, what, are you, what are we really looking for? There's just been a really awesome satellite called Gaia, which probably, I don't, have you ever heard of Gaia satellite? I don't know. No, no, it's just released the largest data set that humanity's ever created. It's phenomenal, and ESA have done terrible work on their press. It's mapped a billion stars in our galaxy to a precision which we've never had before. And and you think, oh, that sounds great. A billion stars. You've got a great map of our local galaxy. And it's like, that's one tiny fraction of our backyard, um, you know, of our own galaxy. You know, we've got 400 billion odd stars in here. I mean, we, it's less than a fraction of a percent. Um, and that's that's the best we've ever done. Um, so we've still got Chedlows to learn I mean, about our own galaxy. I'm with you, William, here. I think the idea of why are we doing it because we don't know stuff is a... Firmly valid answer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you could also... The other argument someone says is because it gets kids to do science. You know, I mean, it's it's the gateway drug for, for doing something more interesting. Kids doing science, yeah. Yeah, kids they, they, science. they, they have a picture of Jupiter on their wall when they're young, and then they actually go and study physics, and then they actually, uh, you know, they go and do something useful, like design a medical experiment or something. Um, so there's more stars, aren't there, than there are grains of sand on the Earth? Yes. Many more. Yes. Oh, easily so. Easily yeah. so. And around uh, and, each and of these stars, there might be little planets. And around each of these planets, there might be like little Nizzes and Williams and Bens and Toms. And in the next room to the little Tom, there might be a pissed off wife waiting for him. <laughs> to on our anniversary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, there's a little to be, about just, it. Statistically speaking, there must be plenty oh, of us. Oh, hang on a moment. Okay, you've riled the statistician. But 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 I think um I, th- I mean yeah I mean okay it's the public it's the popular argument but genuinely we are working towards being able to take a get an analysis of an atmosphere of another planet going around another star. We've we've done it sort of very loosely with some big Jupiters which are sort of really close to their stars and are easy to measure. Um, yeah. But at some point, probably in you know twenty years or so, we probably will get a spectrum of a planet which is of a similar kind of sort of size to the Earth and has got carbon dioxide ozone methane uh, um, oxygen in its atmosphere and you can say well there's a fair chance that planet's got an atmosphere like ours and i think that's a pretty uh two questions on that william two questions on that one how long ago did you say we'd have to wait for roughly that i'm saying 20 years it's an arbitrary 20 years okay i I, I don't know why i'm picking that no that okay so within within our life exactly okay within our lifetime we should be able to find that second question then how far away would this planet be so let's say we we think there could be life on that planet if we did want to go there what are we talking 
Well, we've actually found evidence of a planet around our nearest star, which is, you know, um, four light years, uh, 4.2 light years, whatever. Um, and then they found one just, just last week. There was evidence for one round the next nearest star, Bernard's star, which is six light years away. Those and neither of those look particularly habitable. Um, but basically, say every star seems to have planets around it and it's just luck of the draw. But I mean, even then, four light years, though. Four light years. Oh, yeah, years. I know. It's going to take us forever. Yeah. But you could have a conversation. Well, I think it's a long way down, down the road to the chemist, but, you know, that's nothing. <laughs> Space. Indeed, Hitchhiker's Guide. But yeah, I mean, we're not going to go and visit very soon, sadly. Okay, okay. Well, let, let's get on to the actual thing we want to talk to you today about. To the Christmas Zone! To the Christmas Yay! Zone! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to run on a one-horse open sleigh. Wonderful, Liz. Thanks. Wonderful. I, I won't even cut that out. <laughs> now, so, we are in the Christmas zone. Doesn't it feel festive? I think we should keep referring to Liz's singing so that you can't cut it out. I'm going to say Liz's singing <laughs> every five minutes, just to make it impossible for you to miss oh, it. Oh, I mean, William, you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> So, William, William, now you're in this Christmas zone, you're on the spot here, my man. Introduced by my fabulous singing. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so, William, 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 how do we track Santa? We use Liz's singing. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We bounce it off his sleigh. That'd be great. So, apparently, um, Nora do this using a whole range of different facilities they already have available, which is good to know. So, it's not not they haven't spent a huge amount of taxpayers' money building new equipment. Which is good. All that they have available, they they really want to track this guy. Not just like, oh, we just stuck our thumb out the window. They they doing everything they can. Yeah, no, no, there's a whole fleet of things. So apparently they use um, satellites, um, which are looking for infrared signatures from from Rudolph's nose. Apparently. Oh, very good. Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, which so that's your kind of like space based kind of thing, looking down. And then, that's and looking then, down on them. Yeah, and then they have radar, which are um, effectively suppose, looking up, um, which are, I think apparently they have radar monitoring when things enter American airspace. I suppose they would, probably. Um, <laughs> and so they can see that. And, and then, and then they, apparently they've got Santa cams as well, which are in places to, to track him when, as, he pass, yeah, as he goes past Sorry. famous objects, famous places or something. So, Oh, that's genius. But I love how, how um, paranoid it makes them seem. <laughs> So NORAD is the uh, North American Aerospace Defence Command, yeah? Yeah, which, yes. can I just say, in the world of, like, silly names, like, that's a terrible acronym. Like, at least yeah. like at least VLT or something <laughs> makes sense. Like, very large telescope, VLT. Yeah. NORAD? I mean, it does what it says on the tin. NORAD does sound like a hernia cure, doesn't it? Yeah, and like... that's, that should be... <laughs> Have you got piles? Try NORAD. Um... <laughs> It's not it, uh, Norad's not from that. I mean, it's terrible. Anyway, and what I didn't know, which excited me when I because I, I did actually go and read about this because um, you had said I should. Um, they've been doing this. Well, since I'm glad someone did some research. Since the 1950s. Um, that, that some, oh, well, really? well, they've been tracking him since the 1950s. Yeah. Right? So apparently, some some child rang Norad somehow, um, and there's kind of an urban sort of myth about he got the wrong number and accidentally <laughs> rang them. Um, and the big red telephone rang, which is probably going too far. But um, and <laughs> and and asked where Santa was, and they and the person jokingly said, you know, where where they thought they currently was. Um, and then and then that became a sort of um, they decided it was quite a good PR idea, and so started yeah. Yeah. hiring volunteers. Well, hiring volunteers is that the right expression? Um, 
And so apparently they have a thousand volunteers every year who are there to answer the phones for people ringing in. Because until they had Google and you could do it online, everyone, oh you, people goodness. across America just rang in and asked, where's Santa? And they'd say, oh, well, currently Santa is in such and such and give coordinates. Which I think is just really cute. So, so instead That's of, instead of just, now we can all go on the website and do it ourselves, yeah. they would ring in and say, where is Santa now? And they would say, well, he's currently over Dubai. Goodbye. Yeah. Stop wow. worrying. Um, which is... Yeah, I think it's I, I think that's super cool. I think that's a, a very joyful thing that that exists in the world. That they yeah. were like... do you know something I found quite recently along the similar vein is that if you send a Royal Mail a letter, they will send you one back addressed from Santa, free service. Tom, if you Tom, send... Tom, yes. Tom, yes, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> No, they forward it. Well, we'll, tell you, what, we'll talk when you're older, Liz. What, what you're saying is that when you write to Santa, he writes back. Yes, via the Royal Mail. And, and do you know, my, the postcode for it is XM485HQ. Uh, oh, of course it is. Four of course it is. You have to send oh. it to um, Santa or Father Christmas at Santa's Grotto, Reindeer Land, XM485HQ. <laughs> As if they even do, um, we are an IB do one as well. So um, if you've got a sort of non-sighted child, they you could send it to an R and IB one, and they'll send a message, a letter oh, back a on tape or braille or whatever you oh. want. So oh, and when, when you say that, you mean they get in touch with Santa? Uh, yes. Oh well, yes, they yeah. they act as agents for for um, Santa, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's quite busy, I suppose. He's yeah. got time to reply to everyone. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. I mean, he's yeah. he is very busy. I mean, he probably he needs, needs although, help. Do you know what? He's got an army of elves, thousands yeah. of them. Everywhere. Actually, what's he doing for 364 days? <laughs> so um. this, this is all very well, William. But let's just think about what I'd do if I was Vladimir Putin. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> do you what know what? You... I, it's, I, I, I don't know how I feel about the fact that I'm actually more scared of the idea of, of Ben being Vladimir Putin than I am of Vladimir Putin being Vladimir Putin. And I'm quite scared of Vladimir Putin being Vladimir Putin. Me taking my top off and riding on a horse. But, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so oh, all, you, all you'd have to do is dress a couple of your agents up as Santa Claus. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't. And uh-huh. dress, some of your, dress some of your aeroplanes up as sleighs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then fly them over North America, and somebody would ring up. Somebody would ring up Norad and say, uh, I, "I've just seen, uh, I've just seen Santa going over over my house with two MiG twenty fives." And Norad would go, "Oh yes, 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 yes. He's he's in a, he's in Wisconsin." Um, but that's why they have to track Santa, you see, so they know whether yeah. it's the real Santa or not. Of course, he, he doesn't just suddenly appear like they've been following him the whole time. I suppose. Yeah, they know exactly yeah. where he's supposed to be. So if you get Santa in the wrong place, they they sec- shoot him down. Yeah, or a second Santa. Yeah, he has to be very careful. Do you think he takes the same route every year? Or um, I mean, we, we touched on this. In our I don't. I don't think he can but, take like, the same route every year because population different will children different yeah. Yeah. somebody yeah. might be good or bad and then you've got to cross them off the list so yeah. i saw the best yeah. thing yeah, there's a true. there's a there's an app you can get for your phone and you sort of type in the name of the child and you sort of press a button and it, it, it rings santa <laughs> and what you get is you get a voice message generated which is like dear nicola let's say dear thomas You've not been good this year. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. If you're not good and go to bed now like your parents are telling you, I won't bring you a present. Now, oh what, I hope, what I hope is instead of something like that, it's sort of, Dear Nicola, 
<laughs> just something really. It's actually really good. It's um, it's quite scary. I am. Um, I I got a call from my sister um a few months ago saying, "Is this?" And I can't remember what her name is, but it's a cartoon fairy. She's called Nanny. Oh, Nanny Plum. She's called. She said, "Is this Nanny, Nanny Plum? Plum?" And I was like, "Um." <laughs> and she was like, "Nanny Plum, you need to tell B, and that's my niece." You tell B that she can't sleep in her fairy wings, <laughs> and um, and so I had to have a, an entire conversation with with my niece in character. Wait, wait, wait. Was this apropos nothing? <laughs> then? Oh, no, you just got to call absolutely nothing. I, I, absolutely nothing. And also, I'd never seen the cartoon, so I didn't know what nanny plum was supposed to sound like. <laughs> so you were complicit in this lie, yeah. and you had no idea what you were doing. Yeah, no. but I, I, and I had to tell my. And apparently, um, when my niece wears her fairy wings now, she does take them off before bed. And she says, "Nanny Plum says we have to take our fairy wings off before bed." Liz, Liz, I'm gonna make sure whenever we have any problems with my daughter, I'm calling you. Yeah, just, just let me, just tell me which character you want me to be. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's it's actually a job I, a job I do on the side anyway. Yeah. But um, just can I, can I play that game as well? <laughs> I, I, so yeah, I'll ring you up. This is Vladimir Putin, Hazel. Hazel, this is my this is my good friend Vladimir Putin, and he's going to tell you to go to sleep, Hazel. Now, right. Vladimir, you tell Hazel. So Norad are doing a nice thing, but with just one major security flaw. Uh, <laughs> that's what it seems like, anyway. Yes. Do we know how long Father Christmas would have to spend with each child or in each child's house? And and it's not very long, apparently. Um, no. At all. <laughs> no, I um, imagine not, no. Uh, uh, well, it depends how you you count the children and how many children there are in per houses and so on and so forth. Um, but the Indeed. estimate was, was, was about a millisecond, which is longer than I thought it would be, actually. Um, oh, no, well, that's actually more than I thought. But what's, that's, a millise- what's a millisecond? How many milliseconds uh, per second? A thousandth of a second. That, um, actually, that's per house. Sorry, that's per house. I was surprised. Well, he, he doesn't have to travel that fast. He's like, if he, if he wasn't stopping at all, so he was just like throwing the things out on his way past. Just throwing the present out. Casually Here, drop, dropping them. Newspaper boy style. Yeah. Yeah, that that kind of style. Then then he only has to go at 650 miles a second, which is which is fast, but it's it's not like relativistically fast. How fast do airplanes go? Does anyone... 650 miles an hour, isn't it? Yeah, about that kind of pace, yeah. It's still pretty quick, though. Oh, it's quick. It's quick, yeah. Um, but, it, but it's not like... <laughs> I mean, no one's denying he's quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, he Santa, like, if, he get, if he gets his time zones right, and you know, starts in sort of Hawaii or wherever at midnight, and then sort of finishes in sort of Japan, you know, the, uh, you know, he's probably got, what, you know, 20 hours or something to do it. So the Germans get their presents for, like, Christmas Eve. Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah. yeah. And German Santa, doesn't German Santa have, like, Black Pete or something to accompany No, 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 that's, that's in the Netherlands. And Is it? Okay. I, 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 think, I think they're being strongly encouraged not to... To, to drop that. Not to do that anymore. <laughs> I, um, I've got to, I do like... Um, we were in Iceland for our honeymoon a few years ago. Five years ago, in fact, because it's my anniversary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those <laughs> shoes. Those shoes I lost. <laughs> um, so yeah, five years ago, the Icelanders have um, the 12 Yule boys, who are sort of 12 <laughs> gremlins, and they have names like Potlicker and Door Slammer and Candle Dripper. And there are these 12 naughty little elves um, that um, do all mischief, um, and, and you get and get lift little toys by these, these 12 elves. 
I was going to say, so are they delivering the toys? So Santa, that's off his list as well. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, yeah. They, they, they were more sort of elvish tricksters, but now because of the corporate commercialization of Christmas, they now have to do deliver toys as well. Right, so let's let's move on to my second question for right. of the day. So as you as you said, uh, you were trained as an astronomer. Actually, first question before we get to the good question is, how do you remember the difference between astronomer and astrologer? They're so close. How should I remember that? Because I know that astronomers um, don't like being called astrologers I'll, and vice versa. Yeah, I'll grip my teeth loudly if you say the wrong one. That's that's the uh, <laughs> that's, that's the only that's, way to know. That's the only way you can tell. <laughs> You'll hear an astronomer. Okay, it's probably like it's like so fairies, you, you are you know, an astronomer. <laughs> If you say you don't believe in fairies, somewhere a fairy dies. If you if you call an astronomer or astrologer, there's there's an astronomer somewhere groaning, or maybe even dying. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> or we have to clap to bring them back to life. Yes. So. <laughs> well, the, the next question I have is, what? How feasible is it to follow stars to children? To uh, find children. Now, let me, let wait, me, wait, wait, I... wait, 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 Tom, Tom, don't don't ask questions like no, I, that. I, I phrased the question how I, I want, wanted I want it to. Phrased. I want to find some children. I want them. I want to find them. Is it because Lorraine's imaginary and you're going to need to produce a baby? Soon? I need a baby. I need a baby somehow. Do you, do you do you have to go back to whatever god awful part of Lincolnshire you're in and fill in a census when you this Christmas? When you, when I'm from Derbyshire, Ben. <laughs> Derbyshire, that's the one. I, I knew it was somewhere unimportant. Uh, <laughs> right. But I, I mean, I, I think I understand where your question is coming from, Thomas, because I've, okay. I've, I've got a text here. Because, um, uh, uh, so let, let, me just, let me just read it. I'm reading from uh, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 7 to uh, 10. Uh, then Herod, when he had uh, privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and though the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So, uh, William, realistic or just a story? <laughs> or, you know, some, somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. <laughs> Do you want to sit on the fence? <laughs> I'm constantly puzzled by the, the, the wise men's geography because they they st- saw this star in the east and followed this star. They also came from the east. <laughs> If you do keep going east far enough, well, you finally yeah. get back to west it, at some it point. It doesn't work. It's like either the star was in the west and they were coming from the east and going, oh, we're going to go over there. There's a star over there. We're heading for that one. That's great. Um, or, or it can't be in the east. It just. No. I mean, I, I admit there are other issues with this story, but that particularly bugs me. But what stops being east? North and south are different, okay, because we have the poles. We, you know, north is different from <sighs> south. True. But east and west are equivalent in, in some sense, because if you keep going east-west enough, you get back to west. But unless they circumnavigated the globe to go and visit Jesus, which, you Impossible. Know, All right, okay. Poss- possibly on their <laughs> well, camels. I mean, the globe was smaller then, because, you know, America had to be discovered. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't heard of America until much quicker. Um, yeah. I, I Actually, don't... Santa would have been able to deliver all the presents really quickly then as well. Well, especially since he hadn't been sainted then, you know. <laughs> Saint Nicholas. Yeah. No, there, were, there were fewer Christians as well then. There were a lot fewer Christians. Yeah. A lot easier. So, I mean, do, do we think this is, this is I mean, you know, using all your skills as an astronomer of many years standing, is the Bible 
literal at this point. Um, I'm, I'm not meant to blaspheme at Christmas. I'm talking. Um, no, I mean, I think. Well, but one of the, one of the things which is intriguing is was was there some weird celestial event? Um, which happened yes, yes. around Yes, I mean, like you, you have the similar thing with the Bay of Tapestry, yeah. where they saw, apparently, Hawley's Comet, uh, and they, that's made it into... The, so there is a possibility and, that there was some celestial event. Well, apparently Hawley's Comet passed by in 11 BC, so it's possible that in the in the kind of intervening time between arrival of Jesus and... Oh. Or, or arrival of Hawley's Comet, and maybe that got merged a bit. Um, apparently, because they think Jesus was born in 4... Four BC ish, which is a little bit. Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa! So Christ was born four years before Christ was born. Yeah, um, there's oh, a bit of debate dear. about that, right. but, but because because okay. Herod Herod died in four BC apparently. So, so, <laughs> so in order for the wise men to, I mean, have that guys, it was a long time ago. You can't yeah. expect people to have their it's dates bit, exactly right. It's a bit blurry. Can I ask a question about how he's comet? What does that look like when we can see it? It's Yonic. <laughs> it's Yonic. It looks very Yonic. It looks just like him. A Yon. It would kind of be. Um, I think Comet comes from. Um, there's the Greek word it comes from, which means something like hairy stars. No way. Cause, cause really? They, that's they, wonderful. They look like a sort of star with a kind of some streamers behind. I mean, that's really. They don't really look like that. Um, it's more like sort of a smudge in some ways on the sky. Um, but maybe with a, you could. You could possibly see that it's got a tail, which is kind of pointing in one direction. Um, I think I think it came past... Was Halley's Comet in like the 80s or something the last time it came past? And I don't think it was a very good show. There was Hale-Bopp as well, which came by in the 90s, which was unexpected. So that's the other thing. So Halley's Comet... Was that the song by Hanson? Could be them. Could be. Yeah, it was them in a sleigh. Um... They <laughs> delivering presents to all the children of the world. I think um, the, the thing that's is, what happened before Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's just get this right. So before Santa, Saint Nicholas was sainted. Hansen travelled yeah. the world in one night, delivering their CDs to all the kids. Disguised, disguised as a comet. Yeah, disguised as a comet. Yeah, it's true. That's all it's cleared up. Story. We're done. We're done here. Our work yeah. here is done. We've yeah. solved the mystery, next guys. Year. <laughs> um, but the thing is that you get Halley's Comet is famous because it's uh, it comes back every sort of seventy something years. Um, it's quite regular. It's quite regular, and actually was the first one to be predicted. Um, so the first time oh. somebody went, "Oh, hang on, this is this should come back next year or whatever." Um, but the thing is, there's nothing to stop a comet just randomly appearing. Um, I mean, in Armageddon sort of style and and coming in from from out of the outer range of the solar system, whizzing in. And, Whoa! And... Hold on, this has gone a bit dark. Keep it light, will you? <laughs> So are you saying any moment we could be wiped out? Oh yeah, possibly. But um but it might more likely it wouldn't hit us. It would just come in and light up the sky. So that could easily have happened around the time of of the birth of 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 Jesus that a, a comet could have appeared whizzed back out into the solar system and we'd have no clue about it at all. Um Okay, okay. So the the only thing that's slightly but You can do this. I mean because of the regularity of the stars, you can actually, you know, using where they are now, take them back to that you know, zero BC, and Whoa. well, actually, there wasn't a zero BC because there's a problem yeah, there. So it goes weird. from you know, yeah, yeah, they messed yeah. up. So it goes from one BC because that's a negative thing to one AD. But anyway, ignoring all that, you can go from the stars where they are today, wind them all back, and you'll know exactly where they were at that point. Yes, um, and in fact, more excitingly is the planets because um, they wander around uh, by by definition, they're wanderers. Um, they they um, 
and, and, and this, I got very excited by this because I, I was looking at this. On the 17th of June, so let's forget when Jesus was actually born because we don't really know which time of the year it was, to be mm-hmm. honest. Okay. Um, on the 17th of June, two, in the year 2 BC, Jupiter and Venus would have been incredibly close on the sky. They were like almost, they would have been within a planet's distance apart, um, which means that to the observer on the ground, they'd have looked like they were actually sort of merging briefly. Um, so maybe it was something like that. Um, mm. And it would be really cool. It, and there's so a again, with... just some kind of a celestial event that someone's gone, ooh, that's weird. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, and, and actually you'd sort of seen it happening almost because you'd have seen the two of them kind of getting closer together across on the night sky. Um, and eventually those two would come so close together that, say, to the naked eye, you wouldn't see any difference. Um, but there's, there's a lovely program called... Uh, Stellarium, which is like a, a free bit of software you can download on your computer, and then you can go and put in any date and time okay. you like. And so, um, I found oh, that, wow. that date on an article, and then I, and then I went and put in, and you can go and say, right, Jerusalem. Oh, and you can actually, wow, that's amazing. Put where you are. You put the date or time, remembering you, what you just said about the fact that there isn't a negative. So I think it's you have to put in minus one rather than minus two <laughs> because there is. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And for the date for the year. Uh, put the date, and then you can see the, the the fact that these two objects have been really, really close together, which is really cool. Although, what you were saying, though, is, you know, uh, the, the planets wander. How do you account for that, or is that wandering regular? It's regular if you have the right model for the solar system, with us not in the middle of it. Um, okay. So... Otherwise, it's a bugger to model, <laughs> which is weird. Although, I can imagine, yes. All the kind of wonderful systems they had to, like... Uh, they had a sort of little circle, the planets doing, like, circles around circles or in circles. So Plus, when um, when Mary was sort of you know heavily pregnant and like Lorraine, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. but that's fictional. Yeah, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can get quite far with fictional wives. I hope you know Ben. <laughs> okay, but um, like when she sort of was you know standing outside that inn, looking up at the sky and wondering why she you know hadn't just booked into the travel lodge, like uh, <laughs> like would would the skies have looked very different then to to how they? today or would it would it be you know what kind of scale do these things evolve in um fractionally different yeah on the probably two thousand years there would have been you see the local stars the bright stars in the constellations we see um they would move over over sort of tens of thousands of years you would see a shift um the constellations would be sort of slightly stretched or squashed um Mm -hmm. but but not you know probably 2,000 years you probably wouldn't notice much difference what's the earliest sort of physical evidence of like a star map we've got when was the first person to sort of write it down and... uh, the, the Babylonians started doing um, they started recording uh, sort of ideas of name, they started naming some of the constellations but I don't know if they made maps um, I think it was more kind of written descriptions the Chinese though started making maps so that's another thing about the comet idea the Chinese were mm-hmm. creating good maps of the night sky um well, not necessarily maps, but they definitely would have they would have noted down things which changed. So, for instance, they noticed like uh, there was a so sort anything of, weird. They would have definitely would have have noted. Oh, there was a comet here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, th- I mean, and, I mean, obviously, the Greeks were like, trying to look at the brightness. So the magnitude scale we use now it was it's actually derived from a Greek scale, which is bloody annoying because it's a stupid scale and we should have given up with it years ago. <laughs> oh, so, what is the scale? What is the scale? Yeah. Um, we we rank stars in brightness between zero. Well, well, originally it was between one and six, with one being the brightest <laughs> stars and six being the faintest you can see. Right. And for some stupid reason. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Yeah, so what, what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they arbitrarily sort of grouped them and said, right, well, that's the sort of, those are the brighter ones, we'll call those ones. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't even a definition of what a two or a three was, it was just sort of two, three, four, five is up to you. Well, I was just going to say, this is like the scale for sort of, you know, GCSEs now, where sort of nobody has a clue <laughs> what it actually means. And you now get like, like a three plus or a five minus and a, yeah. and a gold star for effort, but, yeah. But we've, we've, <laughs> the thing is, we've, we've kept this scale, um, so, so we now... Still, it's still the same thing that basically visible stars run out at about six. That's where your eyes stop yeah. working. But then, um, you know, you go down to with big telescopes, you can see something which is a 20th magnitude star or the sun, which is minus 26. So it's a sort of like quasi. I was going to say, yeah, hold on. What? It is so the lower the number, the brighter. The so wait, the, I was saying the minus 26 is really bright. Though. Is the sun. Yeah. That's the co- most cocked up scale. It's ridiculous. I, I, this sounds a lot like the scales that we mark films on. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think our scales make more sense. Yeah, yeah I think they do. <laughs> wow, this is insane. And they still use this? Yep. It's got a, it's a logarithm with a factor. So basically, a factor of five magnitudes is a hundred times fainter. Now, is it not like, why? We, we, why do they still use this? I don't I think it's sort of one of those things which you maybe would have changed earlier if you'd if you'd had the foresight i don't know they just messed up very nice very nice uh so uh, any more christmas questions guys for our astronomer astron- astronomer i just checking yes astronomer. you're right it's all right you don't have to clap just just, just checking <laughs> you don't believe the anxiety i have when i go talk to someone like is it is it astronomer is it astrologer astronomer astrologer astronomer astrologer so what are my mnemonic my mnemonic is astronomer because mer is sea in French, and so you are the sailors of the spatial sea. That's beautiful. So you could remember that, but you can't remember your anniversary. No, no, I, I really can't. I really can't. Um, so, um, when is the true date of Christmas, William? Um, it seems to be quite unknown. So, so they don't really know when he was born, and they don't know what time of the year. Um, and apparently, the only the only reference which gives any sort of attempt to get near the time of the year, is the fact that it talks about shepherds being in the fields at night. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it certainly wasn't in winter. No. That's what they've agreed upon. Highly unlikely to have been <laughs> December, because they wouldn't have been in the fields. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think... It's almost like Christianity came along and took over some of the more almost. pagan rituals of the time. <laughs> I don't think anyone denies that. <laughs> No. Um, so, it's, quite, it's quite a sensible way of, sort of you know, building up a fan base. <laughs> just use what's already there I mean I would be I was thinking this week actually how sad I would be if Christmas was not coming because it's cold and it's dark and it's been raining and if if it was just if it just got colder and darker and rainier and more miserable and you didn't, and have, you didn't have this awesome big party that goes on for like three months Again, something nice they do in uh, Iceland uh, when we went is that because it gets so dark so early over there because they're very north, they put the Christmas lights out at the beginning of October and don't take them down until late January because they want that light and festive feeling. So, I was going to say they do that in every high street. You go outside in June and they sort of say, have you booked your Christmas party? And no, That's I a haven't. very good point and a great segue, Ben, because there was a wonderful graph that I saw online recently. Right. I wanted to pick your brains on this. Oh, I love a graph. We all do love a graph. I will put it on the website so everyone can have a look at this wonderful little graph presented and uh, constructed by Quartz, the guys who make the, uh, the watches. Okay. And they are the ones who control the Christmas tree lights on Oxford Street. Very 
prestigious Christmas lights. Yes. Are we are we um, sponsored by Quartz now? Are they going to send me a watch? <laughs> Quartz, Quartz, if you're listening, I would love a watch. It, Ferrari, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm quite happy to. Mercedes are crap. Um, we are we are going to be the podcast <laughs> of all new visitors to planet Earth. So that's a huge new market we could introduce you to. I was going to say, uh, we're actually sponsored by the Very Large Telescope, so I don't want any probes, thank you very much. Um, wow. So yes, there is this graph produced by Quartz. And what they've done very nicely is for the last however many years, since the year 2000, so the last 18 years, they have been switching on the Oxford Street Christmas lights. Hmm. And they've plotted the date at which... They they turn these lights on. And what they've done is they fit a straight line through these dates because they've been getting lower and lower and lower. And, and and if you follow that trend line, then in around 2130, the year 2130, we will have the Christmas lights being turned on in July. Discuss. So, I mean, this is the danger of extrapolation, isn't it? It very is. It very much is. You know, it's like uh, I have, I, I bore and I have my first girlfriend at, 20 you know so i'm gonna have my second girlfriend at 40 no it doesn't work like that because you know time isn't gonna be <laughs> linear does your wife know <laughs> well i don't know it's like you know you've been married for tom five years thomas you you know you're you're having your first baby now so you know by the time you're happily married, married happily married wooden anniversary yeah uh which so happily that you're you're doing a maths theme Christmas podcast on your anniversary. <laughs> I mean, so, and, and and as as happily married as you can be to an imaginary woman. Yes. Uh, Never so, had an argument. Imagine one of those. Oh dear! Oh dear! Never uh, a crossword. Yes, yes, I could never do the crossword either. But yeah, so one baby <laughs> in five years. So that means that well, by the time you've been married fifty years, you'll be having your tenth birthday. It doesn't work. Um, so, um, I mean, it's like all statistical models are only valid in the range which you have data. OK, so somebody once said that prediction is very hard, particularly about the future. Um, <laughs> really, you know, you, you, you just can't you just can't predict. Are you saying you can't extrapolate any data because then you will always be outside? Um you can interpolate the data, and then you're saying you'd be, you know, quite. Uh, quite yes, interpolate. What's interpolate? So the difference interpolate is what you um, try and predict what the points in between the data. Okay. Whereas extrapolate is you're trying to predict what's outside of the data. So if yes. I know if I know what the weather is like in Edinburgh, what the weather is like in the temperature in Edinburgh, and the temperature in London, I could probably predict the temperature somewhere in between. Uh-huh. Um, but if I were to try and use those two readings to predict the temperature in Sydney, Australia. I'm not going to go very well. So, yeah, I mean, I think I would always um, uh, advise anyone doing any sort of data analysis that predicting outside range of data you already have uh, is very dangerous because we, we only know our model fits for us. So, you know, predict. we don't know what's going to happen in 20 years' time. You know, we might have another Cromwell who might cancel Christmas. We might have, <laughs> you know, we might decide to uh, to make Christmas a six-month celebration, you know, um Nobody knows, you know. So, uh, well, I mean, that's what a model is for, though. You are you're saying that you know, based on the data and my intuition about the system, you're trying to fit a mathematical system, the model, and then using that, you predict what happens outside. So they've used a very bad model. They've said it's linear. That yeah, I was going to say, isn't data. the problem just that they used a straight line rather than yeah. trying to take other yeah. things into effect, into account, which would have made it a curve? Their model's rubbish. <laughs> If it's a model, does that count as a model? All models are wrong. Um, 
you know, but some Oof. models are useful. Um, but yes, it's a George Box. George uh, Box, yeah. George which Box. is what I start every statistics course with, more or less. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, models don't exist on their own. Models exist over a area which you apply the model. Okay, so if I use a model for predicting GDP in Britain, I can't use the same model in, you know, Pakistan or whatever. True, okay? true, true. So uh, it's not so much the fault of the model as the the application of where you put it. And of course, these two factors interact. Um, but I always do this with my students. I always sort of set them a data set and like, you know, uh, if you have, you know, uh, so I set them a data set, you have a shop. And you know, if you have one cash till in your shop, you make $1,000. If you have two cash tills, you make 1800 If you have three, you make, uh, you know, 2600 or whatever so i give them some data and i say how much money will you make if you have 10 cash tills and how much money will you make if you have zero cash tills um, and they <laughs> they all just write down well if i have zero cash tills i'm going to make 200 dollars or whatever the answer is and they you know they just don't think that it doesn't apply so that's magnificent uh, but yeah, I I'm, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use well, that. No, I promise you, seventy percent of students will just say, "Okay, well, I type it into my computer and it gives me the answer, so it must be right." Um, but I mean, one of the differences, I guess, between statistics and mathematics is mathematics. You just have to solve the problem. Yeah, you know, with statistics or even applied mathematics, you have to be able to. You have to question it. And this yeah. is this is a huge problem for students that they they always think, "Well, that's my answer." They never ask, "Well, is that does that make sense?" It, right. does it, so, you know, so how how do you check a model? So, like Ben, you must you must make statistical models all the time. Right. Yeah. So, how do you how do you sense check it? Is it literally just you being like, uh, "Does that sound about right?" Or is, is there are there ways to kind of? Well, that, that's why you have to start it? there. You have to start there. You you have to make it. You know, have to make it predict reality. If you can't do that, you don't go anywhere. The first thing you do is you write down everything you know at the top of the page. Okay, mm-hmm. you write down everything <laughs> you assume, and then you do your uh, modeling. Presumably, that doesn't take you very long, Ben. um uh, uh, and you know this might involve talking to a scientist so you know i might talk to my god yeah exactly (laughs) but 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 actually you know the the statistical bit is quite easy um sometimes conversation with the scientist you know 70 or 80 percent of the time can be understanding what the scientists are saying so you know if you're i'm sure william has it if they've got a very strong accent (laughs) <laughs> that can be usually the easiest yeah. part they're, they're trying to they're trying to work out how to dress up as a Santa and go to uh, the USA on Christmas Eve um, <laughs> but but this this sort of um you know uh, uh, we call it sort of elucidation this this trying to work out what is needed and, and write down the assumptions is one of the most difficult things in mathematics uh, and a lot of mathematicians struggle I mean you know sure William has it if he's you know building a telescope or whatever you know you've got a scientist saying well you know I want to be able to look at mercury or whatever it is and you then have to say okay well what does that mean this you know I've got to have five gyroscopes and that it's, I've got to paint it pink and use liquid nitrogen <laughs> or whatever you know especially that middle point yeah so you, you you know you do your maths you do your work and then at the end you get the maths will tell you something uh, a very important thing I always tell my students is to go back and, and check it sane. Okay, so if you get an answer which is negative and you're you know predicting a profit or you know the temperature in Bristol comes up as three thousand degrees, then you know something's gone wrong. <laughs> uh, but that should only be in the final check. It, it's difficult. Yeah, it's no. Um, I would, I would know, also this... say, I mean, what what a prediction can do is, or what a model can do is, it can highlight the most sensitive areas. So you may get an answer out and it's, you'll check if it's sensible and then you'll start playing with all your variables. And if, you know, you 
change one a tiny amount and you get a huge output in your a huge change in your output then that is going to suggest the next experiment should be on reviewing that variable yes yeah, so from this we, we we need to wait a few years to see whether their linear model is cracked for oxford street is that what we're saying to test to test I, I this think model, so. <laughs> we need to come back in 2040 and see whether the lights are coming on in in the middle of october and if they are I mean, then this, they, exactly they, were, they have they're, brilliant they're... foresight Quartz is, have got a model, so we need, now to, need to test this. And how would we test this? How? I mean, that's one way is waiting. But could we think of a test that would... Um, one simple test is we could extrapolate backwards and show this, that this is nonsense. Exactly. Um, if you went back to 1940, sort of during the war, then they'd be putting Christmas lights up just after Christmas. Um, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So it, it doesn't make sense, yeah. They they probably weren't putting Christmas lights up at all. It would have been really risky. That's that's, yeah, that's a very good point. In general, can I just say I have no problem with Christmas being earlier every year. Christmas is great. Let's make it as long as possible. Brilliant. Do you want do you want my um do you want a statistical question? Yeah. Question four with you. Okay, my my uh statistic I love. Okay. Uh, just because uh you know Mrs. Woody is uh crossing her legs at the moment and about to you know. Produce little, uh, little Noel, Ella, or whatever she uh, heels go, whatever going to be. Um, what is the least likely day of the year to have a baby? Ooh. Um... So, what's the least common birthday? I'm going to guess it's Christmas Day because oh no, well February the 29th. Yeah, both good guesses. But I'm going to guess Christmas Day because it's a Christmas podcast, and you would be asking us about it. Is it because, right, okay, so February the 29th, because there's fewer of them. Because if, yes, well, yes, I, I'm going to go with that one, yes. Christmas Day, because a large, well, not a large portion, but a certain proportion of babies must be induced. Um, exactly. And so, or, like, by plants of And you don't want it happening around Christmas. And, well, no, and they probably have fewer medical people. If, if they yeah. if they plan yeah. it, they'll probably plan it Christmas Eve or Boxing Day rather than Christmas Day. This is That's my theory. Okay, you are good. You are absolutely right. Okay, hey! so you, um, the ONS have a a lovely interactive graphic, which I'll um, I'll, uh, I'll share at some point. We will put on the website. Uh, but basically, Christmas Day and the day after Christmas Day, which is often called Boxing Day, but isn't technically Boxing Day in all years, um, are by far the least likely day to have a baby for exactly the reasons you say. Wait a second. Yeah, Let's go back wait to a that point you said. <laughs> <laughs> William, you asked the question, so I'm still reeling. <laughs> Boxing Day yep. isn't always the day after Christmas. What? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one too. This is, this is blasphemy. Okay, right. <laughs> you are on a roll. Boxing Day. Boxing Day is traditionally when you gave boxes to like the postman and stuff. Well nobody's quite sure, no. but that's a good, um, good So it would have to be on a working day. So if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, it's not Boxing Day. So here's what I know Boxing Day as. It was when the churches opened their poor boxes. Whatever it is, Boxing Day is uh, the first uh, weekday after Christmas. That's what I said. Yeah. In your face, Thomas Woolley. Yeah. In your face. That's so shocking. Really, that, is, that is absolutely this is shocking. insane. Yeah. It's a really good bit of no. um, pedantry. It's a really good way to really ingratiate, ingratiate yourself with your family. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to a new family this year, so I might... You can I use might that open, When they say, oh, happy Boxing Day, I'll be like, no. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. One of my favourite calendar stories is um, that... Oh, my God. Ben, how, how, 
How many Ganga stories do you have? Oh, one, of, one, of your fa- one of your favourites of your many tens of calendar stories. That you... so, oh. but, um, there's two poor, bits, Mrs., there's... poor Mrs. Dr. Parker. <laughs> you, you can fade this out if you're bored, Tom. But there's, there's two bits of legislation. Which I can't fade in. it out now. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... Whatever that is. <laughs> the day after Christmas this year. Possible. Can't, right. Can't we go? Can't we go to the sitting on the sofa, feeling fairly forward, trying to? <laughs> That's what we're rounding up. Then we're ra- conclusion maybe we should, zone. Maybe we should do, get, do the score zone, and we'll just all score. Score. <laughs> we'll score right. William. All right, to the score zone. <laughs> the score zone. Yeah. To the score zone. <laughs> ben. Liz and William, can I get a random scoring system and a random score upon that system for how we're rating our Christmas this year? The expected oh. Christmas that we're going to have. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to uh, rank it according to the books of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, I think it's going to be pretty good. So um, I'm going to uh, rank it as uh, uh, the first epistle general of Peter. <laughs> Out of what, sorry? Of Revelations, obviously. Oh, that's right. <laughs> From Genesis to Revelations. Yeah. <laughs> your, your Christmas is going to be as good as that. Well, magnificent. Liz, how good is your Christmas going to be? As you probably know, in many ways, this is going to be a sad Christmas for me. Yes. Sorry. Um, sad Christmas to be because I lost someone very close to me. Um, it's my first Christmas without them. Um, I am going really feckin' big this year. Um, so I'm talking Christmas jumpers. I'm talking. I've I've got permission for my building to put a wreath on the door. Oh. Um, I'm I've, I'm going to three work Christmas parties from just different workplaces. Um, what? So I am I am bringing the joy. I'm scoring my Christmas out of the gifts your alcohol in... <laughs> by volume in your blood by the end of the month the um the gifts in the 12 days of christmas and my christmas will be drummers drumming Ooh, hard to beat hard to beat wow William. how <laughs> good is your a, a, christmas a drum is actually be? quite easy to beat but <laughs> well done <laughs> um, i think i might go for the culinary side of christmas because i think that you know, that's a pretty I mean, nice. obviously there's other stuff going on, but that, that's really the, the, the main point, isn't it? From from mince pies to Brussels sprouts, etc. Um, <laughs> but also, I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm gonna get two Christmas dinners because the the beauty of the fact that my I'm going to Wales, as has been mentioned, um, and, uh, and and therefore I can go to my family and my wife's families at the same time. Well, not at the same time, we do it differently. To get two oh Christmas dinners. <laughs> Have you been learning tricks from Santa? You yeah. just do one really quickly, and then the other. They, they yeah, a millisecond at each to eat a whole turkey roast. So, so I think I'm gonna gonna wow. rank it on on number of bits of meat I can eat um, in 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 that in that time, and I'm gonna go with four turkey legs. Wow, four turkey oh, legs. Okay. Wow, that's pretty Great. good, right? So it just falls to me to rank my Christmas, and I shall rank it out of thirty, which is the minimum age that my of days that my daughter will possibly be at that point. And Ooh. it's going to be a pretty damn good Christmas, hopefully. So I'm going to give it the full 30 days out of 30 days. Yay. 
With that, I hope you're all going to have a wonderful Christmas from Mathsat and William Taylor, Liz, Ben Parker and myself. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas and to whatever you celebrate and however you celebrate it. Have a great day and a lovely evening surrounded by all of the things that make you happy. And next week, Mathsat, live from the birthing centre. <laughs> Lorraine would love that. I will try and convince her. But with that, we have been Thomas Woolley. I've been drunk for most of Christmas. <laughs> I've been Liz, wishing everyone a really, really, really happy Christmas. And I've been William, saying thank you very much for letting me join. That was great fun. It's been a pleasure, absolute okay. pleasure, William. As I say, we'll back. have you back for watching... You've been a star. Ah, very nice. And with that, we have been maths at winning at Christmas and mathematics. Good night. Bye. This podcast is a Random Walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library. <laughs>